I saw over the trees on Primrose Hill the fighting machine from which the howling came. I crossed Regent's Canal. There stood a second machine, upright but as still as the first. Hello, my name is Eric Moore, host of the Effectively Speaking podcast and co-host of the Blake Seven in Character podcast, and I'm speaking to you from South Kensington in London. Why? Well, Matt over on Neozaz is putting some specials together for Halloween, and being a fan of the War of the Worlds, there's some themed ones on that too coming up. Uh, the link being, of course, that Awesome Wells' radio adaptation was broadcast on Halloween in 1938 and caused quite a stir. I'm a big fan too, and I was thinking of something related to it that I could do, either for Halloween or in some form on Neozaz. And I thought of how some years back, myself, our son and a friend, we came up here to London and retraced the narrator's last per- part of his journey at the end of the book on the way checking what still remains of H.G. Wells' London and what's changed. Back then when we did it, I took photos and I posted them up on my old War of the Worlds blog. And apart from reposting them on my War of the Worlds Facebook page, that was that. So I thought now, with podcasting come along, why not do the journey again, but this time record it on audio as well as photos. So that's what I'm here for. Um, It's very easy to do, as H.G. Wells is very detailed in the book, as to just where the narrator goes. It's not a surprise when you know that he himself did much of the journey while researching the novel. Indeed, it's possible to retrace the whole of the narrator's journey, but that would take weeks. So, as back when I first did this, I've confined it to a few hours of a journey by having the very end of the tale. And that's why I'm here in Onslow Square, South Kensington. Before I set off though, I've just walked up from Regent Street. Uh, um, I've been planning this for quite a while and um, here in England we're in the middle of a heat wave. We haven't had rain for two months and I got up this morning and yep, on the news, today is actually going to be the hottest day of the year so far. It's going to be 35 degrees here in London, uh, 35 degrees Celsius, it's about 100 Fahrenheit isn't it? So yeah, hottest day of the year that I'm up here and one of the things on the news was how the London Underground at the moment is uh, is hotter than the maximum temperature that you're supposed to transport live cattle. So yeah, the Underground was out. So um, I've walked up from Regent Street and, uh, and every time I go through Regent Street and Piccadilly Circus, there's a lovely paragraph in the book that sadly wasn't used by Jeff Wayne in his musical version, but I'm hoping the BBC will have in their upcoming version that's out at Christmas. It's a throwaway aside mentioned by the artilleryman, um, so I can't use it here because I'm following the narrator's journey, but it's a brilliant example of how Wells would supplant the ordinary with the alienness of the invaders. So if you don't mind, before I set off, I just wanted to read that because I always think of this as when I go through there. This is the artilleryman speaking. One night last week, some fools got the electric light in order and there was all Regent Street and the circus ablaze crowded with painted and ragged drunkards, men and women, dancing and shouting till dawn. A man who was there told me, and as the day came, they became aware of a fighting machine standing nearby the Langham and looking down at them. Heaven knows how long he had been there, 
It must have given some of them a nasty turn. He came down the road towards them and picked up nearly a hundred too drunk or frightened to run away. Right, so that's it. Uh, after this uh, preamble, I'm going to set off. So um, I'm going to report in in a second. Right, so I'm going to set off north. Like I say, H.G. Wells was very specific in his book just where he was and where he was going and naming the roads and places. Um, so it's very easy to follow him. And um, I'm going to do the same thing too. As I go, I'll, I'll mention where I am. And right now I'm in Harrington Road. Um, so yeah, if you, if you fancy following this on, on, a, on a Google map of London, I'm in Harrington Road right now, heading north towards uh, the Underground Station. Okay. And uh, this is where we have the first clip from the book. It was near South Kensington that I first heard the howling. It crept almost imperceptibly upon my senses. It was a sobbing alternation of two notes. Oola, 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 oola. I'm glad there's no one around at the moment. That's not in the book, that's me talking. Keeping on perceptually. When I passed streets that ran northward, it grew in volume, and houses and buildings seemed to deaden and cut it off again. It came in a full tide down Exhibition Road. I stopped staring towards Kensington Gardens, wondering at this strange remote wailing. It was it. It was as if that mighty desert of houses had found a voice for its fear and solitude. There's a line I know very well from the Jeff Wayne version. Yeah, so I'm on my way to Exhibition Road and uh, heading in the direction of Kensington Gardens. Going to be a bit noisier now for a while. Um, I'm up Exhibition Road in a gap between um, the Natural History Museum and the Science Museum. Um, and the bit from the book says this I turned northwards, marvelling towards the iron gates of Hyde Park. I had half a mind to break into the Natural History Museum and find my way up to the summits of the towers in order to see across the park. But I decided to keep to the ground where quick hiding was possible and so went on up the exhibition road. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm halfway up the exhibition road and according to the narrator, all the large mansions on each side of the road were empty and still. And my footsteps echoed along the sides of the houses. Not much chance of that today footsteps echoing. Uh, it's pretty much as of H.G. Wells's time on the east side of the road. The mansions are all pretty much there. There's one that's been replaced by a beautiful Art Deco apartment block. But yeah, on the, uh, on the east side, the buildings are beautiful, beautiful mansions. You could easily squint and uh, imagine yourself back in that time. On the west side, so a lot of them have gone. Um, replaced by buildings of the Imperial College. <laughs> and now I am starting to sweat. Exhibition Road is, uh, is a hill, but it's just a gentle hill. But in this heat, oh boy. All right, so I'm at the top of Exhibition Road at uh, the entrance to Hyde Park. And the narrator says, at the top near the park gate, I came upon a strange sight, a bus overturned and the skeleton of a horse picked clean. 
I puzzled over this for a time and then went on to the bridge over the Serpentine. So, again, it's something I wish had been in the musical version. That's quite a uh, spooky, evocative image and a puzzling one. How is a horse picked clean so quickly? It can't have been Carrion that would have done it. Um, I'm thinking it's more that it's the Martians. They've come down, they're curious, and uh, they've done a bit of an anatomy lesson then and there. Uh, another puzzle about this is um, the other things that are in this area. We're at the gate of uh, Hyde Park, as I say, and we have a dead horse right next to uh, the gates. But right alongside, you've got the Royal Albert Hall and you've got the fantastic Albert Memorial. You know, I, I thought they would have been great images to um, have them covered in the red weed and what have you. But uh, no, he chose not to uh, mention them. Anyway, okay, so I'm going into the park, so it should be a ni nice, uh, nice and quieter now, but uh, there's no cover. I'm not going anywhere near the trees, so I'm gonna boil a bit, but I'll see you in a bit. I don't know if you can hear that. Can you hear that? That's not Martians I'm hearing, they're parakeets up in an oak tree. Um, I'm, I'm, sure <laughs> I'm sure they weren't around in H.G. Wells' time. Hmm. They're loving this heat. Anyway, as I say, I'm, I'm in the middle of Hyde Park. Uh, yeah, in amongst the trees, that's a lot better. I'm feeling a lot better now, so that's good. And I'm heading north eastwards across the park in the direction of Regent's Park. Okay, and uh, here's the next clip. The voice grew stronger and stronger, though I could see nothing above the housetops on the north side of the park, save a haze of smoke to the northwest. Ula, 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 Ula cried the voice, coming as it seemed to me from the district about Regent's Park. The desolating cry worked upon my mind. The mood that had sustained me passed. The wailing took possession of me. I found I was intensely weary, footstore, and now again hungry and thirsty. And I can sympathise with him because, yes, I've eaten my sweaty cheese sandwich, but I'm still hungry. I'm getting a bit weary now with all this heat and I'm incredibly thirsty so can totally sympathize with him as well as the parakeets I think a difference to his time the park has got many many more trees I think than when he was here um, there are many more trees and the ones that were here in his time are much bigger so it's very hard to see across towards Regent's Park but uh, if I can find a suitable spot I'll take a photo Right, I'm almost out of the park, um, but, and I'm re not really meant to do this recording just yet, but I thought I would because once I'm out of the park, you're not going to hear this at all. So, moving on, the next thing the narrator says is, I came into Oxford Street by the Marble Arch, and here again were black powder and several bodies, and an evil, ominous smell from the gratings of the cellars of some of the houses. I grew very thirsty after the heat of my long walk. 
With infinite trouble, I managed to break into a public house and get food and drink. I was weary after eating and went into the parlour behind the bar and slept on a black horsehair sofa I found there. Well, I don't know about black horsehair sofas these days, but uh, I could certainly find a pub. But um, I'm in the West End and I can't afford that. Really. So uh, I'm moving onwards. All right, I'll take back what I said about not having a beer. Started going up through uh, Oxford Street and in this bloody heat, with all the traffic and all the smell and all the noise, um, suddenly it's like you're in the flaming Sahara. So uh, I have stopped in for a pint. Um, so yes, I did stop in for a pint and I raised it to Matt. He's the reason why I'm here. Uh, a lovely little pub called The Three Tons, just off Portman Street, which I heartily recommend. It's right in the middle of uh, Tourist Central, but it's completely deserted and very, very old and very, very recommended. Okay, so that's it. That's where I am right, uh, right now. Well, it's not where I am right now because I've just come out. This could be the alcohol taking effect. Um, so, yeah. Um, right, where am I? I'm in Portman Square. Hang on a minute. I might have had a pint but I'm very self-conscious that I'm talking to myself as people walk past right okay so next bit then Portman Square I'm now at Portman Square uh, the narrator says I wandered on through the silent residential squares to Baker Street Portman Square is the only one I can name and so came out at last on Regent's Park this is a bit odd um, because walking around there is only one square or now there is only one square which is Portman Square um, so that's where I am not much of a square as you can hear by the traffic so now I've got to saunter up Baker Street and report when I get to the top tell you what it might be the hottest day of the year in England and in England the hottest place is London it might be the hottest day but that hasn't stopped the crowds queuing up to, at 221B Baker Street to uh, visit Sherlock Holmes's residence uh, the queue is enormous um, but Baker Street itself apart from the bit right near the top where I am right now um, most of it is completely forgettable it's all been redeveloped uh, since Wells's time the only bit that's uh, still as is, and I'm guessing because of the Sherlock Holmes connection, is right up at the top here, um, at the junction between Baker Street and Regent's Park. Okay, so next part from the book reads as such. And as I emerged from the top of Baker Street, I saw far away over the trees in the clearness of the sunset, the hood of the Martian giant from which this howling proceeded. I was not terrified. I came upon him as if it were a matter of course. I watched him for some time, but he did not move. He appeared to be standing and yelling for no reason that I could discover. So, yeah, that's it in the book. And standing at the gates to Regent's Park, you can clearly see across 
um, towards Primrose Hill, which is where he actually is. Um, not much changed. I really wish, when Matt and Christy had come over a few years ago, I wish Matt had told me that he was a War of the Worlds fan because we did this walk. We did the walk up Baker Street. We visited um, the Sherlock Holmes area and then we came here into Regent's Park and if I'd known that he was a War of the Worlds nut I would have pointed this all out to him and taken him to the next place which is where the narrator finds the crashed handling machine. Well I got ahead of myself there no, um, before he encounters the handling machines, he says, I turned back away from the park and struck into Park Road, intending to skirt the park, went along under the shelter of the terraces and got a view of this stationary howling Martian from the direction of St. John's Wood. I am facing St. John's Wood right now and uh, there are indeed terraces, but the most <laughs> magnificent terraces you've ever seen and bright pink too. They look like something from... Brighton Pavilion um, but yeah this is where he saw the dying Martian I'm a couple of hundred yards up from the Baker Street Junction and the reason for that is the narrator says a couple of hundred yards out of Baker Street I came upon the wrecked handling machine halfway to St John's Wood Station at first I thought a house had fallen across the road it was only as I clambered among the ruins that I saw, with a start, this mechanical Samson lying, with its tentacles bent and smashed and twisted, amongst the ruins it had made. The forepart was shattered. It seemed as if it, if it had driven blindly straight at the house and had been overwhelmed in its overthrow. Again, this is exactly the same as H.G. Uh, Wells's time. This is quite an affluent area of London and luckily was spared bomb damage from the Second World War. So yeah, what I'm looking at now, where I'm standing right now is where HG Wells was and this, aside from the trees growing a bit, is exactly what he would have seen. Wondering still more at all that I had seen, I pushed on towards Primrose Hill. Far away, through a gap in the trees, I saw a second Martian, as motionless as the first, standing in the park towards the zoological gardens, and silent. A little beyond the ruins, about the smashed handling machine, I came upon the red weed again, and found the Regent's Canal, a spongy mass of dark red vegetation. Well, I'm almost at the zoological gardens right now, and uh, boiling hot, but my journey's nearly over. Um, just about across the canal um, but uh, yeah it's it's quite surreal um, I'm walking along getting to my next rendezvous and listening to this I don't know if you can listen to this yeah that should be the Jeff Wayne's oolars because um, I'm listening to him as I uh, swept my way around Regent's Park. So, right, let's get to Regent's Canal. <clears throat> A bit noisy here because I've just crossed the bridge because I've got to do what he says. And he says, as I crossed the bridge, the sound of oola, 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 oola ceased. 
It was, as it were, cut off. The silence came like a thunderclap. The dusky houses about me stood faint and tall, and I could not bring myself to go on. I know how he bloody well feels. I'm boiling now, but uh, not far to go, although the last bit is a climb up a hill, so uh, speak to you in a sec. It's at this point I have to say I'm not going to slavishly follow the narrator <clears throat> because at this point when he says he can't bring himself to go on he turns down St John's Wood Road basically he's going in the opposite direction and uh, he says that he ran headlong, headlong from this unendurable stillness towards Kilburn I hid from the night and the silence until long after midnight in a cabman's shelter in Harrow Road but before the dawn my courage returned and while the stars were still in the sky I turned once more towards Regent's Park. So I don't really see the point in going back the way I came um, just for a little while to then come all the way back, okay? So the next bit he says is, I missed my way among the streets and presently saw down a long avenue in the half light of the early dawn, the curve of Primrose Hill. On the summit, towering up to the fading stars was a third Martian, erect and motionless like the others. An insane resolve possessed me. I would die and end it, and I would save myself even the trouble of killing myself. I marched on recklessly towards this titan, and then as I drew nearer and the light grew, I saw that a multitude of black birds were circling and clustering about the hood. At that, at that my heart gave a bound, and I began running along the road. Now, I don't know where that bit is, I don't know where this long terrace is with Primrose Hill in the distance. It's too chuffing hot now to start. Maybe if I was on a push bike, I would go and explore a bit more. But uh, right now I'm in St. Edmund's Terrace, um, which he names and says thus. I hurried through the red weed that choked St. Edmund's Terrace. I waded breast high across a torrent of water that was rushing down from the waterworks towards the Albert Road and emerged upon the grass before the rising of the sun. So basically, I've got to get up St. Edmund's Terrace here. There's no gushing water, there's no red weed. It's, it's quite a nice little sedate uh, residential street with a nice big school. I'm hoping this school, it's a, it's a junior school, I'm hoping they teach War of the Worlds and you know the children here know uh, the heritage of what's just up the road. So I'm just about to go up the road. Okay, made it to the top of Primrose Hill and uh, at the top of the Primrose Hill the narrator says great mounds had been heaped about the crest of the hill making a huge redoubt of it it was the final and largest place the Martians had made and from beyond these heaps there rose a thin smoke against the sky against the skyline an eager dog ran and disappeared the thought that had flashed into mind grew real grew credible I felt no fear only a wild trembling exultation as I ran up the hill towards the motionless monster. Out of the hood hung lank shreds of brown at which the hungry birds pecked and tore. Now, I didn't run up the hill. <laughs> I don't know how he managed to, but it's quite a thrill to be standing exactly where the tripod is and looking down um, onto where the camp was. Unfortunately, I've, I've come without, without my last piece of paper which describes the camp, but yeah, looking down on it, um, yeah, that this mighty camp where all the Martians were dead in their machines that were overturned. Um, yeah, you can totally believe it. I've just taken some photos and I'll be putting them up on, on 
Facebook. You can see why, why HG Wells chose this area out of all the areas that he could have for London. Primrose Hill is quite a small park, or Regent's Park, but uh, it has this quite steep hill right in the middle and you get the most fantastic views across London. Um, it would have been a fantastic view back in Wells's day, albeit very smoky I guess, but um, even now with all the modern architecture that's going up, like the Shard and everything, you can still see St Paul's Cathedral etc etc and it's, a, it's an amazing view, I can totally see why he chose this for the climax of the book. Well that's the climax of my day today, I've got to get back to St Pancras now, I don't know what the temperature is but there's absolutely 100% no way I'm going on the underground. So at least it's downhill from now and uh, I've got to wander my way back and on the way wonder what I'm going to do with these recordings. If you're listening to this, it actually was released. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's just a little uh, fan's trek today. Okay, so thanks for listening and bye-bye.